Good morning. I just want to look around here for a minute and see everybody. It's good to be here with you this morning. I was thinking a few days ago and then on through the week and this morning again, and I was imagining up this side and seeing your faces and then down this side and seeing all your faces and and then up this side over here and seeing all of your faces and, and then down this side over here and seeing all of your faces. And man, I love you guys. What you do for me at the back door when I'm speaking, when you don't just fall flat out of sleep and snore out loud, <laughs> means a lot to me. I'm difficult to deal with sometimes, most of the time. But I love you. And, and I know this for a fact, and I, I need you to hear this. There is not a church in the world that wouldn't take every one of you quickly. They would love to have you in their pews, hanging out, eating pancakes, doing whatever, seeing you at the supermarket, knowing that they, you belong to them as family. Every church in the world would take every one of you fast. Kind of bugs me a little bit because I'm kind of jealous for all of you. I really am. And, and I, I just want you to think about those of us who aren't here right now. And when you see them, would you pass that on? That we're so thankful and so blessed that, that they're here. And if they're confused a bit and struggling with being here, remind them that we need them desperately. Man, we, we have such a wonderful family here. And I know from, from our eldership all the way to the littlest kid here, we're, we're, we're moved and blessed that you're here. Deeper than that, not deeper than church family, but more, maybe more practical, just a friendship, just a one-on-one hanging out kind of thing. There's none of you that people wouldn't want in their life and in their world. You guys are amazing. Uh, life's not always easy. Sometimes it's difficult. It's, it's not always easy to make things connect, but I'm telling you, God has done a great work in you, and he's doing wonderful things in you. And so I just want you to be encouraged, mainly because I am encouraged by you. You're awesome. Let's pray together. God, I'm so thankful for being here today, and I'm thankful to be with my family and so many of my dearest friends are right here in this place, God. Thankful for, I'm thankful for this, the church all over the world because we know you've connected us with so many others that we love dearly as well. But God, this place is a big deal. It's a big deal to me, and every soul here is a big deal. And Father, I pray that you would encourage us today and remind us of how blessed and how very important this is to you and to all of us. We love you, and we honor you today. Pray you move me out of the way. This message is beyond me, as every one that you share is. But I pray that you would uh, use this time well to encourage all of us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So the, the title of my sermon today, which I'm not very good at titling sermons, I always just kind of fall apart on me, the, the title of the sermon will be How to Build a Great Church. It doesn't have a lot to do with what I just said to you, I'm just telling you the truth, though it might have been working you a little bit to help with the sermon title, I'm kidding. And, and if that's the title of the sermon, How to Build a Great Church, then it needed kind of a subtitle to help explain that, and the subtitle would be, when you hear the title, think along these lines. How to build a healthy church that matters. How to build a healthy church that matters. That would be a great sermon 
That'd be an awesome sermon. The problem is, I'll let you in on a secret. We can't. And there's my sermon. And congratulations. Go eat. Now, there's more to it than that. But this is the truth. We're always haggling and wrestling and trying to build a church. We're trying to do something great here. Every church is wrestling with trying to build a church, trying to do something that would be significant in the lives of people. The difficulty is um, we're very limited. You have to bear with me here. I wrote some of this down. I'm going to be reading a little more than typical. I've been at the beach. My mind doesn't do that much anyway, but at the beach it went on shutdown for a while, so I'm a little foggy, so hang with me and pray a whole lot while I'm talking, okay? So, so here's the thing. It's not that, it's not that we, we um, how do you say this? It's not that God doesn't want there to be a strong church. He really does. The church is his body on the, on the earth. We know that. The problem for us is what we're trying to do in building a great church, um, it doesn't really fit our skill set. We don't have that ability. It wasn't given to you to fix this thing or make it great. And the problem is then we have a lot of guys and ladies who don't have an ability to do something tinkering and messing around with things that don't belong to them. The body is his. The church was his idea. It didn't come along because Jamie Ryan thought, let's do a church thing. I think this would be really great. It'll catch on. He did it on purpose for our health and for our sake. And so in, with that in mind, there are some things that we need to wrestle with. It's not in our skill set yet. I do, I do believe it's in our ability to rally people to causes. We're really good at rallying people to causes, usually, usually of our own liking, and we often confuse that with building. Again, I can get a lot of people ticked off about something or passionate about something. It looks like I'm building something really good, but it doesn't have any power or life in it. Connecting them to something or one another in a positive or life-altering or changing way that has eternal living, giving power, life-giving power um, it's not in our skill set. We don't have the ability that we can rally people to a cause. We cannot connect them to anything with life-giving power on our own. We just have another social club, the Lions Club. I don't know. A lot of them are out there. None of them seem to be coming to my mind right now. But I've watched this happen in the church a lot. I've, I have some experience, as I was reminded this morning. I'm a few days older than I used to be. Thanks, June Book. You're a nice lady. And, and so, but, but no, I mean, I've been around a while. I've seen some things. I've been involved with a lot of churches, a lot of churches growing up. If you live in this part of the country, you've seen a lot of small churches. You've been involved in a lot of things that are very exciting and very heartbreaking. It doesn't take long to see that we are not capable of doing this thing. And what happens often whenever someone is trying to build a church or manufacture things is the strongest personality typically wins or the one with the greatest intellect or passion, though none of it may be really connected with anything that really matters. We've got some doctrine and we've got a building and we've got some God with some smarts. And so things start happening. And before long, something doesn't go someone's way. I don't like it like that. I like it like this. I don't like pews. I like seats. I don't like kitchens. I don't like 
whatever the case would be. I don't even like the name, and I don't particularly like you now. And there's nothing deeper to hold them together. Because if you and I are just hanging out with one another, I like you, but I'm difficult. And if you have no other reason than me to hang on to me, you're not hanging on. You'll just go do something else. There's got to be something greater, something more powerful than trying to manufacture this thing or create or craft. It's not in us. Another thing I was uh, trying to do in, in imagining building a great church, I thought, I wonder what people whose minds work a little better than mine think about building a great church. And so I started reading. And I found out there aren't a lot of people with minds more brilliant than mine because it was pretty sad. They were talking, and in, in the books that some of us are reading, they're talking about the same things that I've watched happen over and over throughout the years, and they didn't work ever. You need to start this program. You need to start this type of visitation. You need to do this. You should do that. I saw someone with this great, these are the, the, the five essentials for building a great church, and none of them started with God. That's confusing right off the top for me. I'm sorry. I've seen this thing go around a few times. I've seen it go around a few times. I'm not sure that any leader should be a leader if he doesn't love the Lord deeply, and that isn't the first thing you think about him, let alone a church getting established with five points that aren't based on God. I don't think a minister, a deacon, a member in ministry, if there's not something pressing in them that you go, you know, they look a lot like Jesus. If not, let's keep honing, let's keep sharpening before we do this thing, because it's too big a deal. And so in wrestling with that, I had to start wrestling with, if this is the case, then what do we do? If, if this is so problematic, if churches seem, seem to struggle so often with these things, and building a great church is not in us, then what do we do? Where do we go? Uh, are we just destined to just mess up and struggle and fall and fall apart and s- disappear like so many churches do in, in times like this? Are we just going to become a great social club with no power whatsoever? A great group that nobody outside of us seems to be inter- interested in, but we really have something good going on. We're just sure of it. My old PJ, he's the nicest guy I ever met. I mean, do, you know, I mean, they're just a bunch of good old boys hanging out, wives cooking for us, and we clean up well. It, it's got to be more than that. And I was talking a bit on, on the beach with um, my brother-in-law, with Aaron Counter. We, we, were, we were at the beach on vacation last week. If you call working with that many uh, junior high girls vacation, um, we had a vacation. I'm kidding. You girls are awesome. I was talking with him, and, and I was saying, you know, the thing that I wrestle with that I think we, we, we could press in to help in this building of things would be this thought of going back to the beginning, to which he says, Vizzini said you have to go back to the beginning. And if you know The Princess Bride, that great cult movie of the 80s or 90s or whatever, you know, and my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, you know, that show. He's, he's one day, uh, he's there uh, 
Anigo um, Montoya saying, Fasini says we had to go back to the beginning. And that is a wonderful truth. It's an incredible truth. Going back to the basics, in order to be a part of building a great church, I think often you have to do that very important step. You have to go back to the beginning, to the basics. I remember playing baseball growing up, and even softball later. And what would end up happening eventually in everybody's playing career is you would develop some type of slump. You're, not, you're hitting well, and then all of a sudden, you can't hit at all. And it lasts three, four, five, seven games. Your team can't count on you because you can't seem to hit your way out of anything. And, and, and the reason for a slump uh, has... There, there are a few reasons that really stand out to me. One of them is trying too hard to do it all or to be the man. When you're over... When you're overthinking, overpressing on everything, and you are the one that's going to make it work, eventually, you're walking a line that you can't walk. And your, your swing suffers, and you suffer for it. The other is, one is trying too hard. One is not caring at all. Not being invested in what's going on here. There's more to this team than me. And when I'm just kind of weary of the team, I get weary of the game. And then my hands start to drop I'm not working on my timing. I'm not watching the ball well. And here's the slump. And we do the same thing in church. We do the same thing in family. We, we try too hard to make things happen our way like we think they ought to be. Or we don't care at all because we're just frustrated with what all's going on. And before long, there's this slump, this, this press. And the only way to fix it is to go back to the beginning Green Bay Packers, as some of you know the story, as soon as I say Green Bay Packers and, and thinking of going back to the beginning, your mind's already thinking of Vince Lombardi. They were like stink for like 10 years. They were the bottom of the standings. They lost all the time. And then they hired Coach Lombardi, who is the coach of coaches in professional football. When they hired him, he hit the practice field and was just driving those guys, grinding those guys. Motivational speeches, encouragement, what a winner is like. And, and, and one time he got so frustrated with the practice, he called everybody in, huddle it up. And they all got really close to him. And he said, all right, guys, this is a football. These are professional athletes. This is a football. These guys have played in college. They've played for years. This is a football. Those things are yard markers. I'm the coach. These are your teammates. All the way back to the beginning. This is a football. What does that have to do with church? What does that have to do with you and me? Building a strong church, or should I say a healthy one, that matters. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Those are compliments, man. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that, those, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships in my name and have not grown weary. Man, that's, that's us. 
We're fighters, man. We're strong. We don't give in. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. As we've read it for so many years, you've forsaken your first love. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. I hate the pra- you hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're incredible. Yet, man, you've forsaken your first love. Me. You don't love me like you used to. You're not tight with me like you used to. You're trying to do this on your own, and you never could. You never should. You never would until you've forsaken your first love. Now you try to manufacture things. You try to make things happen. You're always trying to force things. Because I always took care of you when you loved me and when you sought me. The scripture is really convicting to me personally. The power of doing so many right things, yet the love of Jesus wasn't there. The love of God was not there or a part of it. And so in pressing in that, this is what I would say to you. If we're going to build a church, if we were going to build a church, and we wanted to be healthy, a healthy church that mattered, it would have to start with God first, with Him alone. Not even with the idea of starting a church, because in Acts, the scripture says that as those, um, those new converts were baptized into Jesus, they were, they were added to, God added them to the church. He was building it. It was his work. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. Not Jamie's, not somebody else's. I'm going to do the building. It's in my name. You're, you're to make the side. You're to tell the story. Tell the good news. I'm doing something. I'm busy building a church. You go tell about it. I let you be a part of it. I saved you. You're not the builder. It wasn't your idea. He's just happy to be here. <laughs> Thrilled to death. That God saved me just like he saved you. Man, that's a lot of, to, to be liking people about just right there alone. Back to the basics. Back to the first things. Listen to this, what he says. Um, sometimes God calls us to go back to the beginning. Sometimes he presses us back. Because he wants us to remember that the only place that life is found, the only place where hope is found or power is from him. This place has no hope if God's not in it. You guys are great, but you've got no power to get me anywhere if God's not in this. And so in Matthew chapter 22, uh, he's pressing in here, and it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He said, To love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two things. It's everything. This is all of it. But what about that church building thing? (laughs) I didn't tell you to build a church. I told you to make disciples. I told you to tell the world. I'll I'll build the church. Really good at it. 
You take care of the loving me and the loving of others. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of first things first, right? When, when we struggle and when we're wrestling, we want to we wanna, wanna slump or, or Coach Lombardi needs to pick up the pigskin and remind us, this is the football God says, seek first. You struggling, wrestling with who you are, with what's going on? Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek me. I'm, I, no. There's just nothing here. Seek him. Seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. We were uh, at the beach this past week, and somewhere along the line, the cousins and I would wrestle around to the point of working on a sandcastle or fort, whatever you would call it. it uh, hardly creative. I'm not Beth Miller Everett or Mark Billinger. I don't have that creative swag thing going on. We build a fort. It, it's a whole lot of digging and a gate or fence and a big tall thing in the middle. And then we use those wonderful gifts, those molds, you know. <laughs> That's a castle. That's a gate, you know. And I mean, it ends up looking wonderful. We have a blast with it. But it's a lot of work. And somewhere along the line, people start showing up. Wow, that's really cool. Wow, you did all of that work. Wow, we, and, you know, well, I had a lot of help there. You know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but, man, that's really cool. And it, it's, it's an amazing conversation starter, like being at the grocery store and waiting in line or pumping gas and someone else is pumping gas beside you or someone's heart's broken and, 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 and they need someone to notice them. It's a wonderful conversation starter, right? There's a wonderful opportunity. And this, this, uh, this couple, you know, um, a roundabout, end up together with us. He goes through, speaks for a moment. She comes through, speaks for a moment. Interestingly, she was from Wheelersburg years ago. You may want to ask about that later. But, but as he comes back through, this is what he says to me. I told my wife, we've watched you guys all week, and I told my wife, that is a family. He said, there's something different about those guys. I mean, we watched this whole beach. He said, my, my daughter is graduate, she's graduated from college. She has a kid. My son is in college. Um, and, and I said, that's what I want for us. I want us together at the beach. I want us together anywhere. But I want us together, knowing one another. And, and he looked at me, and, and he said, I just don't understand how this happens. And I said, well, um, <laughs> this isn't great on my part, by the way. It's just telling the truth. That's sometimes difficult. Um, I, 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 this is family. Uh, this is my wife's mom and dad, her uncle and aunt, who I claim all of them. It's her brother and his wife and family, her sister and her husband and family, and my wife and I and my daughter. But this doesn't work because of us. It works because of God. And he just dropped his head. He said, I knew it. I knew it, man. You're giving me goosebumps right now. I know why our country's in the state. And this is what he starts saying. I know why our country's in the state. And I know all of us. And I told my wife, we've got to get real about this stuff. We need to go to church. We need to learn these things. And we need to be about this. And as he's walking off, he says, thank you for spending time with me. <laughs> That's crazy. Most people are trying to get me to shut up. <laughs> thanks for spending time with me. Man, thanks for talking with me. No, this matters. And it's going to matter. And I'll tell you the truth of what I told him. This doesn't work here. 
You don't build good church, great church. You don't build a church that's healthy, that matters, because you try to make it happen. Because the garbage isn't getting taken out on your schedule. And the floors aren't getting mopped on your schedule. And people don't go to bed on your schedule. And, and, and supper's not always on time. And people start getting weary and frustrated of dealing with you. It takes something more powerful than us trying to make it happen. Man, I prayed for our vacation like you wouldn't believe. Since January, not, not last week. I prayed for weather. I prayed for safety. I prayed for God's hand among all of us, that we had peace, that we had fun, that we were free, that we weren't tying one another down, and we weren't trying to control one another. You know what we do. You try to make everything happen your way. And we all just enjoy him together and that we see him. And this is what I'm convinced of. Jesus didn't pronounce blessing on the great organizers and planners, though we had to plan, in, in Matthew 5. He pronounced blessing on the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst, those who are merciful, those who are peacemakers, those who are pure in heart, and those who, who have been persecuted for his sake. He's pronouncing blessing on everything opposite of what the world presses in on. And when we get to the church, we do things just the opposite. He, Jesus flips everything upside down in pronouncing blessings and saying how the kingdom's going to be. But when it comes to the church, often we try to find some great management model and try to get this thing all fixed really nice and try to develop programs that will really work. And if you want to build a great church, the first place to start would be to try to encourage everybody to go home and fall crazy in love with Jesus. To fall head over heels in love with God. Not this place at home. Go home. And work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Snuggle up close to him. And hang out a while. And let him show you all those things that are going on in you. And start moving in it to press it out of you. And then come back. And hang out with 200 plus other people that have been doing the same thing. You want to talk about a crazy church starting to grow. You don't need to plan stuff for that church. There'll be people getting busy all over the place. They'll be developing programs. No, they'll be having fellowship. Love will be overflowing. Relationships will be overflowing. It'll be natural to do missions. It'll be natural to go to the community, to, to go into all the world and make disciples, to evangelize and do all of that stuff. Because one, we like each other and we love each other. That's what happens when you grow near to God. Remember that little, that little um, uh, pyramid that you loved growing up? You know what you did with your girlfriends? I know you guys did this, everybody, or, or girls with your guy friends. Hey, uh, uh, if we keep this thing with Jesus, you know what's going to happen? You know, the Christian cool pickup line. If you have a triangle, and I'm A at the bottom, and you're B at the bottom, and God is C, or God's A, and I'm being your C, and we grow closer to God. Look what happens with us. We grow closer to each other in Jesus. You know, I mean, you were junior high, high school kids. You use that on one another. Look, uh, we... It works. I use it on my wife. No, I'm kidding. I've seen it forever. Sorry, Chris. I, I know. I'm in trouble for that. I, 
you see it happen always in your life. Two people growing closer to God can't help grow closer to one another, right? Two people growing closer to God can't help but grow closer to one another. It's natural because God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What the second is like it? Love your neighbor as yourself. It wouldn't just be that this church grew closer to one another. Quit laughing, Jesse and Zach. I know you used that too. It's not just that we would grow closer to one another here. We would sure learn to love the world a lot more too, wouldn't we? And the one thing the world needs is not a better program. They don't need a church that brags on what great things it does for the world. They need a church that just loves Jesus, and that's all. Because God has a great idea on how to build this church, and he knows everything it needs to be doing. Or should I say build a great church? This just If it has anything to do with this one, that's totally inadvertent on my part. It has everything to do with him knowing how to do it. He can do it well. And so I want to encourage you to imagine with me that place that all of us are, God is point A, and we're point B, and everyone else is point C. And, and let's just start growing closer to him. And if you say how, I'll say I understand because sometimes I need help with that too. Get in the word. Pray. Open your heart. Think in him. Stop being so tight and worried and afraid and let him move you toward him and one another. I mean, he'll do a great work here. He'll do a wonderful work. That's a church that's healthy, a church that matters. It's a great church. It's who we are. It's who he's making us to be. But it doesn't start with church. It starts with him and you. Him and you. It starts to make a great family here. Let's pray together. Father, thanks so much for this time. I'm thankful for the great friendship here. I'm, I'm thankful for you blessing us with a little corniness and fun. And pray, God, that you would teach us not to take ourselves so seriously, but take you really seriously, but to find great joy in a relationship with you. And, Father, as we have the invitation in a moment, I pray that if there's anyone here struggling, that you would encourage them to come forward and talk to the wonderful elders. And if they haven't given their lives to you in baptism, I pray that you would encourage them to take that moment now. We love you, God. In your son's name we pray. Amen. If you want to respond in any way, one of the elders will be on either side of the auditorium. Why don't you come to them?